Hello everyone and welcome to An Hour of Chaos where we will be talking about true crime and the paranormal. There will be some disturbing topics which may not be suitable for some listeners. So listener discretion is advised. Every time we start this, every time there is always a conversation about how scary that sounds and no one else <laughs> can hear it. No one else can no one else can hear it and it's really funny. It just um, we can't hear it. <laughs> yeah, only we can. So we were times where we were like that was terrifying, and I realized that we couldn't hear it. Um, for <laughs> for those of you listening, we, we use a bot, and it just automatically it makes a it tells us that you are recording in this really deep weird voice, and it's a little bit terrifying. But welcome back to an hour of chaos, and I know it has been like two years. Since the last time we even posted anything, since we even recorded every anything, I'm actually going to look at when the last date was, and it was December of 2020. Actually, it was December of 2021 was our last episode, and it is now December 1st of 2023. So, so yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's literally two years, almost exactly. I think at the time I was like, oh my god, I'm in college. Yeah, college ended up like just taking over my life. And for those of you who are also in college or even in school, you would completely understand. So I am so sorry for the complete hiatus and complete disappearance. But it's it's so nice to be back, you know? Um, We have new cases. We have new people as well, which you may be hearing soon. And... I'm so excited. So any weekly updates, obviously we had them before because we were trying to do weekly. Not many updates. Um, I'm working on my own blog for school, obviously. So any people who are interested in true crime articles can go and check it out at, uh, I don't even remember the website, but I'll link it on the Instagram when I post it. What else? I think that's it. You know, there's been a lot going on. Make sure that you guys are following us on Instagram at an hour of chaos. And be sure to share the podcast with everyone else around you. And as you guys know, I am Lola. I, I'm Percy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm dying. <laughs> it's okay. And I am Lexi. And yes, these are who will be joining us today and maybe forward whenever we decide i will admit that right now recording dates are not solid so there will be episodes when there'll be episodes and when we are solid up and running there will be an announcement for that but for now this is just gonna get put out there as a slow getting back into the game and for this episode's topic is actually paranormal paranormal georgia for those of you who don't know or are new, we were flip-flopping. Um, we had 50, we had 50 states, so we were going to pick the 50 states, and we were going to flip-flop between uh, true crime and paranormal cases. And the last time we did an episode was episode 9, True Crime in Florida. And today's topic will be Paranormal Georgia. I keep saying paranormal weird each time I go to say it. It's, I think Paranormal Georgia is actually more of a mouthful when I think about it paranormal georgia it is yeah because you know that movie paranorman it kind of sounds oh. like i'm saying that when i first go to <laughs> yeah I and i'm like that's not how i say it um 
So, yeah, um, our last episode, which was back in December, uh, in, like, back in December of 2021, was uh, True Crime in Florida. And, boy, let me tell you, doing Florida as a true crime, uh, perfect, right there in itself. So, I'm excited. Obviously, with paranormal cases, it's a little bit harder than true crime cases. But they're still just as interesting because I feel like you learn a lot more about a state's history than anything else. But, Lexi, will you like to share your facts about Georgia to get us started? I would love to share my facts about Georgia. So, Georgia, uh, the capital of Georgia is Atlanta, which is pretty known in the filming industry. Lots of things are filmed there. Um, The population of Georgia is 10.8 million, according to the 2021 census. And the state flower is, I didn't look up the pronunciation of the state flower. It's a rose. It's a rose. The state flower is a rose. (laughs) (laughs) There are seven murders per 100,000 people in Georgia. So I had to do the math to calculate how many murders towards the entire uh, population in roughly a year-ish, and that is, where did I write this down? 735 murders in, in the state of Georgia, roughly. Obviously, this is an estimate based on mathematical skills, and that's really it. Because of murders and plenty of other historical things that took place in the state of Georgia, such as the Civil War, the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, and the Trail of Tears, there happens to be incredible haunted places in Georgia. One of the most famous ones is the Ellis Hotel, which is the hotel that caught fire and killed a good couple of guests, and that is, you know, pretty haunted. So, I don't know. You guys take it from here. (laughs) I feel like coming up with things to talk about when it comes, like, outside of true crime for that is always a little bit interesting, but... We can always jump right in with cases, which will be starting with me, and I'll be talking about Lake Linear, also officially known as Lake Sydney Linear, which is a a reservoir in the northern portion of the United States of Georgia, and it was created by the completion of the Budford Dam in the, hold on, the Cattahoochee River um, in 1956, which also feeds into the Chesity River. I'm gonna butcher a lot of names even though i'm looking at them so everyone bear with me pronunciation i am no i am looking at them yeah but did you research the pronunciation yes i just have a really poor pronunciation of words even pronunciation 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 i say pronunciation (laughs) well yeah but maybe it's a coastal thing yeah that's true that's true yeah um, so the lake is 38,000 acres also or 59 square miles of water, 692 miles of shoreline at a normal le- level. It was named um, after the Confederate and Army poet Sidney Linear, and it was built as an operation. Oh, well, it's built and operated, I'm sorry, by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for Flood Control and Water Supplies. And the construction destroyed nearly 50,000 acres of farmland and displaced more than 250 families, 
15 businesses, and relocated 20 cemeteries along with their corpses in the progress. And if anyone knows anything about cemeteries is that relocation doesn't matter <laughs> because you're disrupting them. I remember watching this, like, uh, Haunted Highways show once where they re quote-unquote relocated it, but in fact they just, like, moved the headphones and left the bodies and then built the house on top of where the bodies were. Do you mean tombstones? Oh. What'd I say? Headphones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I meant headstones. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Can you imagine just leaving headphones? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows anything, relocating cemeteries is... Don't do it. Just leave it. You don't need a build there. I promise you, you don't. It's patrolled by the Georgia Department State of Natural Resources, as well as law enforcement... But the states of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida all have rights to the water reservoir because it feeds into the rivers along those areas. So, like, it's pretty big. During the droughts of the 21st century, Lake Lanier re reached low records and regional actions have been needed to reduce the area, like, water, pardon me, usage. And uh, prior to the groundbreaking of the reservoir in 1950, the town of Oscarville once occupied the current location of the lake, and it was predominantly an African-American community and the site of a 1912 racial conflict, which resulted in the displacement of 1,100 black people from the county, rendering Oscarville a ghost town. There was, obviously, there's some warnings for some of these. There was, there was, like, cases of rape going on and people who were accused of it were suspected without proof. So what it was is that the w raping of two white women, one who was fatally beaten, they accused uh, two black men without any proof until one of the suspects admitted to the crime and implemented his half-brother and his mother. After this confession, the man went to trials days later where they were hung and found guilty after different testimonies of witnesses, including their mother. They were hung 21 days later, and the black residents comprised about 10% of the population at the town, and the current black population is about 4% of the area's population. So that is just some history on Lake Lanier itself right there that basically tells you there is trauma connected to that land already. There was already some pretty big emotions there, and like Lexi stated, sites like, you know, Georgia has been a witness to, what was it, the Civil War, the Ku Klux Klan, and the T Trail of Tears? Yes, that, that's correct. Yeah, and that alone is already a, uh, like, it sticks to the land. So, this land... A lot of racially motivated... Uh, yeah, so there's already, like, a pretty bad history there. So, of course, things are going to stay behind, and there is a legend that a long-dead woman roams this lake in a flowing blue dress. Her mysterious arms are often, like, trying to, like, people feel her grabbing them often. And it is said that, you know, there are angry spirits within the waters. Obviously, there have been spooky tales and, uh, stories about Lake Lanier for years now. And it's often, it's a recreational hotspot and very popular for boating and water sports. And more than 200 people have actually died swimming and, and have had boating accidents there since 1994. Which, if you think about it, is actually a lot in that span of time. The Netflix drama Ozark 
which has its own high body count within the show, filmed at the lake as well. So, there is underwater sightings. I don't know if it's actually confirmed or not. I couldn't really figure that out. That they was actually built on top of a town. Like, they didn't even bother <laughs> to remove anything. They just kind of filled it. If I may butt in, that's about six uh, water-related uh, deaths in Lake Lanier a year. Per year. That's a lot. And this is why I don't go swimming. That's six point... It, well, technically, if we were rounding up because it's 6.89, it would be about seven. Seven. That's yeah. still a lot per year at a single lake. If you like... Well, I don't know what the average water-related deaths in a single area is per year. But yeah. I would say that is a decent amount of, of tragedy. Yeah. So there is like there people have seen underwater while swimming, like things in the water, like cars and old buildings, which they'll we'll get to later on. But they kind of just flooded it without really moving much. So I don't really I don't know if I believe them that they relocated any graves if the town is still there that was once there, you know? Yeah, that's 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 insane. Why would you build over a town anyway? That's insane. I mean, they it didn't even destroy the town. There's literally no. buildings and stuff underwater. So before the land was buried, it obviously was known for, uh, like, communities. Like, uh, what was it? Oscarville, I said? Like, Oscarville. And it was lush, and there was, like, there was things there that were living there. There were people. There were, like, families. And then one day, the U.S. Army Corps, Corps, sorry, Corps of Engineers, uh, just came along and they wanted to, like, provide a lake to Atlanta and uh, counties around it with power and water. So they, so the government, like, offered locals money for their farmland. But most of this farmland has been in the families for, like, generations. And it was impossible to put an actual price tag on it. And according to uh, Lisa Russell, who wrote several books on lost towns in North Georgia, she quoted that at first the government assured landowners that they were going to be paid for their true value of their land and buildings, but residents found it really hard to price generations of memories, hard work, and deep emotions. Um, a host of emotions occupied the talk of relocation, anger, resentment, fear, anxiety, bewilderment, and apprehension. To them, their land was priceless. And eventually, some, like, 700 families ended up selling a total of 56,000 acres to the government, which they built a dam on the Katahoochee River to form a lake. So, these people sold their land, and then they just built a dam, and I guess just filled it up. The land was filled in water in 1956. Locals jammed roads and bridges to watch as history just vanished. And whatever they was abandoned was just covered with water. As we said, they just completely <laughs> left everything and filled it up. And so when it came to the naming process, some people wanted to name it after politicians. Others wanted to name it after a football coach. But eventually, they settled on the 18th century Georgia poet, uh, Sidney Linear, who wrote Song of the Cottahoochee. So, like we said, they kind of just filled it up, and the Army Corps demolished or moved anything they considered dangerous, like trees, barns, and wooden structures that would endanger watercrafts. Um, but, like, major 
uh, infra uh, major things such as like bridges and water intakes were also relocated. I don't really know how you can relocate a, a bridge. bridge. Yeah, like they just pick it up and they move it. I how do you, how where do you, you relocate a bridge? A bridge? Yeah, where, where are we going bridge? with it? Like maybe like I'm thinking of like pretty decent sized bridges too i'm not thinking yeah. of like a little wooden one and that's probably on me but it's that's insane this entire story just reminds me of the scp you don't you don't recognize the bodies in the water i looked it up it's actually that one's actually in i i know that's why at first i looked it up and when i was actually listening to the scp story um that story when i was filling it out and i'm like that's really weird that sounds like this but someone <laughs> said that it's actually based on a lake, I think, in Indiana. Um, I actually had it open not too long ago. That's really funny that you say that because I was also <laughs> thinking that same thing. And so when I went to go and double check it, um, it's based in someone says that they think it's in like um Mar I can't pronounce the lake name. In, like, Marshall County, Indiana, is where someone was, like, suspecting based on how many blacked-out letters they had on the SCP wiki. But that's really funny, too, that you thought that as well. <laughs> Same brain, brain wink. Length? Wave. Yeah. <laughs> Wave? Wave. Um, like I said, the community had a cemetery, and they, in the core, supposedly identified and moved marked grades. But it's extremely likely that unmarked ones were just left behind because they were un unmarked. When wait, when was the uh when was the lake officially Built. made? Uh, nineteen fifty six. Okay, yeah. So then, there's probably a lot of unmarked graves due to yeah. Well, someone told to CNN, battles and such. Usually. Yeah, someone said that CNN. Uh, someone told. CNN that like the technology capable to identify and verify unmarked sites didn't even come like weren't even great 70 years ago you know like right yeah and even now it's still very hard they made an effort to try and locate them but they were very limited in time and um I guess like resources to find all of these since a lot of them were from civil war periods or from native american or pre-colonial and ancient times you know they they were like there's so there's possibility for so many that trying to search it is crazy um an old racing track near gainesville was also left behind and now just sits at the bottom of the lake um they said that they removed the bleachers because they would float to the surface and like cause hazard but there's just like a racing track at the bottom of the lake. Who's down for some underwater racing, guys? <laughs> All right. So some of the concrete block foundations of small of small buildings were also submerged, and some people have even reported to hear church bells from a sunken church under the water. Um, but there that someone said that's not possible because no structure was left behind due to a height issue, and if it had a steeple, it would be a floating wood issue as well. But over the decades, Lake Linear waters water levels have dropped because of, like, climate change, climate change, drought, um, and everything like that. It's important to note that, at least in some people's beliefs, to, you know, hop on the church bell train 
even if there isn't like a physical embodiment of a a um a structure um some paranormal things instead of actually being like deceased things that are, are uh energy like think of it like carbon dating how ice all the way up in really cold climates holds carbon from years 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 ago yeah kind of the same thing but energy i'm gonna i'm gonna call it energy dating where if certain strong energy moments occur it will almost create this i want to call it like like a carbon bubble that will get frozen in time essentially yes and then people can see that so that could be why people hear these church bells is if this energy that has been left in that time you know like with those it um from like what i've always read and learned is that like moments in time just keep repeating over and over yeah yeah, yeah. Um, especially like during that time of when they died divers have also reported creepy sightings beneath the waters some said that there's like a freaky catfish as big as a vault wagon oh and there's YouTube is filled with videos of divers showing sunken like houseboats and piles of debris. Um, between 1994 and October of like uh, 2021, 203 people have died of drownings and boating accidents. Between wait between 1994 and so in 2000 and uh, in October of 2021. Okay, yeah. And so there's one tale of the Lady of the Lake. Um, and in 1958, two women met a tragic end when their car veered into the lake near the linear bridge and both, like, just vanished without a trace. A year later, a fisherman found a body later to be identified as the Lady of the Lake, but in 1990, during the bridge expansion, another, like, uh, woman's body was found in the submerged car. And it's supposedly, they say it's likely Susie Roberts who went missing, but... By the sounds of it, they haven't confirmed this. Obviously, um, there's like there were 20 cemeteries that were disturbed during the moving of it, and um, across what was it, 1954 to to 2003. I I looked up the recent. So from like 1954 to. 2023 there have been 700 deaths reported at the lake across history oh my goodness um and apparently in uh, of, of august of 2023 a man was electrocuted after he jumped into the lake and two men were reported missing in the lake area no he jumped into the lake and he supposedly was electrocuted Wait, but what about the two men being reported missing? That's what I'm asking about. You just said two men were reported missing. What's the context of that? Like, is there any? No, there's none. There's no context. Um, the I found the article for the guy who got electrocuted by jumping into the water because I was curious on what happened with that. Um, his name was Thomas Milner. He was 24, and he was electrocuted after jumping into the water from a dock the family owned. Obviously, this lake is known as one of the deadliest bodies of water. And a family friend tried to pull him out. Um, the individual reported feeling a burning sensation in the water and realizing it was electric so- shock. Um, 
it said that the he swam back, not Thomas, but the friend who tried to pull him out swam back to shore to turn off an electrical power box, which was believed to be the source of it. Um, unfortunately, the guy who jumped in died. Oh, wait, here we go. Milliner's death comes with two other reports of missing people that weekend, including the disappearance of a 61-year-old man and a 27-year-old man. Why is there no information? Okay, so I re I'm really curious on how the water, uh, like, that big, because this is a huge water source, like I said. Yeah, huge, like. Well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the whole, well, so here's how it works. Any surface of any body of water, like, I can only assume that if lightning were to strike the ocean for a short second, that in that, in that nanosecond of time, at least the top layer of the ocean, not the entire ocean, but the top, would essentially be electrified. I can only think, I don't think that uh, electrocution has a minimal area of space that it can move to when it comes to terms of water, like surface of water. I think yeah. it just keeps going unless the water ends, until the water ends. But I can't tell you for sure. I yeah, not, that's, not that's, really, that that's really um, insane to me that he was electrocuted. Um, a lot of this information came from uh, Lisa Russell, who wrote a book on haunted... I think it was like under underwater haunted. Oh God, hold on, I lost it. She wrote a book. Uh, she wrote several books on lost towns in Georgia. One of which a lot of this information came from was her underwater ghost towns, and she talks. She talks a lot about how um, a lot of divers will tell you that when you're in the lake, it just feels like you're in gelatin, like it feels like you're in jello. And it's so haunted because they just flooded farmland to create it. They didn't actually, didn't, they hardly cut anything down. They just left it there. They literally just built a dam, took out things that were probably dangerous, and then, like, left the rest. And according to Russell, the, um, the lady of the lake, her name was Delia May Parker Young. And it's reported that she roams around the lake in a blue dress. And legend has it that Delia worked at the Riverside Military Academy in 1958. And then one night in April, she borrowed a blue dress to go to the North Georgia Roadhouse. Mm -hmm. um, night of dancing, and her friend picked her up to go to the Roadhouse. And when they were driving across the Austin Highway Bridge, the car just skidded off ultimately plunging them into the lake but the car was wedged between two tree chunks and a hill which hid the car for 32 years 32 years um about eight, 18 months after the car was discovered a local fisherman reportedly saw a woman in a blue dress without hands and missing two toes okay why was, why was she missing a, why was she missing a hand how was he counting the toes she just looks <laughs> at the lady's feet this lady's feet, right, walking down by the riverside or, or lakeside, whatever. Man's fishing, casting a line. He says, this woman, oh, hi, are you enjoying the beach? No words, assumingly, from her. And he looks at her feet to count how many toes she has. <laughs> I'm, I'm really... So this car, we talked to... They only gave us one name when I read the article originally. And then they're telling us now that the car was hidden for 32 years. And then, 18 months after the car discovered, 32 years later, 
a local fisherman reportedly saw her, and for some reason she was missing not one, but both of her hands. That's just so well, odd. Maybe, maybe she was missing her both of her hands, though, because of the collision. I mean, we can't say for sure if her hands got completely taken off of her body, as if she was thrown out the car window shield after it hit in between this hill and this tree. Supposedly, right into the water. If I'm understanding right, we do not understand. No, they, no, they were, they were, uh, they got stuck between two trees. Oh, their bodies were in the car still. Oh. Um, wait, where'd it go? Um, her friend picked her up to go to the roadhouse. When they were driving across the highway bridge, the car skidded off, plunging them into the muddy bottom of the lake. I mean, maybe, but then it says the car was wedged between two tree trunks and a hill. So yeah, I'm not really sure if it was underwater. But that's or really if say it is not. Well, they said they got rid of the trees underneath the water. Remember? No, and then they they said they got rid of some of the trees. The lady when I was when I was reading this, Russell said that no trees were actually really moved. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that they're not talking underwater when they say in between a hill and a tree, or else they would probably specify underwater in between a hill and a tree. So they were probably thrown out the window shield when the car made oh, an impact. That's true, maybe. And who knows what other obstacles were in their way as their bodies were tossed into the lake. Yeah, and this is Which also like nineteen fifty-four. This is like yeah, the nineteen. This is like the nineteen fifties. We those cars were hardy, and as much as they yeah. they were dangerous, if you got into an <laughs> actual car accident with them. But that's all I have on it. The lake is like there's nothing really have. They talk about hauntings, but the only real specific haunting that everyone talks about is Lady of the Lake. Pardon me, I had to burp. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be talking about the Ellis Hotel and how it burned down um, and the hauntings with that. So I mentioned that. I didn't even know (laughs) the case. Oh yeah, that's my case. I thought that's why you said it, actually. No, I had no clue. It was just I looked up top places in georgia and it was the first thing that came up i know i purposely when i look up things i try to avoid the most popular which often puts me into a really bad space because then i'm scrounging yeah i'm like scraping Um, the ground so this was originally the weinkoff hotel built um by frank weinkoff um and it was in downtown atlanta on Peachtree Street, I think. And so later on, it when it was rebuilt, it was actually renamed the Peach Hotel, Peachtree Hotel, I think. That's what I read on a few of them. Um, so this was built in 1913. And it was essentially what they claimed to be a fireproof hotel. Did you put but... a in it? <laughs> um... <laughs> it's like the Titanic. It's like, if you try to make anything set up to be any proof, like, I think the Titanic was supposedly supposed to be, like, sink-proof, and look what happened. I feel like if you try to make anything anything-proof, you're gonna set yourself up to fail. This was actually, some people call this Georgia's Titanic. Oh, Oh, how funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Georgia's Titanic. Georgia's Titanic. The, what really was the hotel was that the structure of it itself the outline of it was essentially fireproof but the inside was not how does that make sense you know they put in like very flammable flooring and curtains and oh my god furniture but you know they were like oh it's fireproof 
No, but so they only didn't have any fire safety because they were like, oh, it's fireproof. He'll be fine, which made it more hazardous. Just because the outside is doesn't mean everything inside <laughs> is. Yeah. So um, on December 7th of 1946, it was around 3.30 a.m. Uh, some, some articles say that it's earlier. The night clerk uh, named Comer Rowan was uh, sitting at the switchboard of the hotel and he received a call from one of the tenants who was up really late that night and was like hey and and the tenant was like hey um can i just get like a drink up here please and so he sent the bellhop up um and then a little while later when the bellhop came down they were like hey there's a fire and so after the bellhop uh, not the bellhop, sorry. After the clerk received the call, he was trying to go in and wake up other residents, but the fire was already so extreme that the switchboard ended up burning and uh, shorting out. Why was it so far into it without anyone noticing? I don't know. And no one knows what started the fire either. That's oh, the thing. That's weird. Some, there's a few reports of like maybe it was a, a lit cigarette burning onto a mattress which started the fire. Oh yeah, because it was like the forties. <laughs> yeah, so that was like allowed in the hotel. Yeah, but this fire was so severe that it was about flamethrower like level, and oh it was God. burning the doorknobs and it was like so like, like you burn the doorknobs. Them? Yeah, like melting them entirely. That's oh, a really hot fire. I'm looking up real quick how 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 hot does fire need to be to what melt a doorknob that's a doorbell a doorknob <laughs> and i like that's a really hot fire to burn and like melt the doorknob so that people can't get out um it has to be a thousand and three um two thousand five hundred degrees fahrenheit which is a thousand three hundred and seventy degrees celsius to melt steel i don't know what doorknobs are made out of um, I think it said that these were... Hold on, I have articles up. <laughs> that's insane, though. That's, like, wicked hot. Th that's really hot. Um, brass doorknobs. They were brass. How hot does fire need to be to melt brass? You could just search up what brass's melting point is. Oh, you're right. It's so the melting point of brass is a thousand seven hundred and ten, which is still pretty still hot. really hot. That's still yeah, but how much does the average fire burn at? Um average like an average house fire. What's the average core temperature? Hold on. I'll get this one. Average <laughs> of a fire. Still nigh the science guy. That's what we are now. Okay, let's see. Oh, okay. The temperature of a fire can range up from around 400 degrees Fahrenheit up to 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, well. It depends, on the, it depends on the oxygen content and the fuel source. So, since oh, there's a huge amount of fuel sources, <laughs> it increases. Yeah, the like you said, they, yeah. Put, like, they put a lot of flammable stuff. So, unfortunately, they were just feeding the fire. Yeah. Without knowing um, it. And mind you, this hotel was 15 stories high, oh. higher than any of the other hotels in the area. Oh, no. So 15 fucking stories burning. Oh, my and God. Weinkoff was also staying in the hotel at this time. Like, he had retired, and even though he had sold the hotel, he was like, I'm retiring, and I'm going to live here at the hotel. When the fire was burning. 
Why do people choose? I mean, like, why, when you would retire, why would you choose to live in a hotel? Oh, I mean, like, actually... He didn't have to pay rent, let's be honest, because he, he's, what, he's rented the hotel, so... That's true. No, maybe he has the right idea. Maybe. Um, I, yeah, so he was actually staying there, and he, I'm pretty sure he died in the hotel. So, there were almost 300 guests registered the night that the fire oh, started. Oh, no. With the fire burning, it had shot up and down the elevator shaft, making that not work, obviously. Um, and the it was just, it was spreading like crazy because of the inside. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it was, was within... like wildfire. <laughs> Luckily, there. <laughs> oh, oh, that was bad. That was a bad one. I'm sorry. My condolences. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um. So luckily, there was a fire station nearby that got there within a few minutes. I'm pretty sure. Well, that's good because in a lot of cases, that never happens. <laughs> yeah. Um. But very much like the Triangle Factory fire. Um, which was the the seamstresses who there they were locked in there and a fire started. Oh, yeah, and the doors no, wouldn't I open. That. I remember that. Yeah, they were so they wouldn't take breaks. Yeah, yeah. they talked about uh, it in school. Yeah. yeah, that's why I I was reading this and I was like, oh my god, this sounds so much like the Triangle Factory fire. I was literally going to bring up that point that it sounds like the the Wayshore Factory or yeah. Shirtwaist or whatever it was. I th- yeah, Shirtwaist Factory, I think. Yeah. Which, so I think both of these play a lot into why we have the fire building rules that we have now. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope we learned. I mean, that's why the doors open outwards now, so that if people are piled up, we can get out easily. Right. It was so sad to me when I learned that people were jumping out of the buildings to escape the fire. And that is exactly what happened here at the Weinkoff Hotel. People started to... Like, they would rather jump from the building than die in the fire. I don't blame them. I also kind of don't blame them because at least it's a quicker death. I feel like jumping out of a window and potentially, this is going to sound really bad, I feel like jumping out a window to my impactful death, hopefully, is better than melting alive. Well, I was going to say, you, um, I learned up this horrid fact, so I'm, I'm really sorry I learned this fact a little while ago. It's a little bit vulgar. Is that you're actually, if you were to be a die in a fire, you would still be conscious while your eyeballs were melting out of your face. Oh, oh, yeah. See, yes. so I would that rather before, jump. I feel like I would rather jump out die, of a window. You would still <laughs> yeah. be conscious while that was happening. That's terrible. So it's a longer, it's a longer death. Uh, I, I guess like a longer death than if you were to jump out the window and. Well, oh. hopefully at that point you're dead from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Or at least unconscious, so you can't really tell. Well, how would but... you jump out the window if you're already dead? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> True. Um, so, I think it said that there were, like, about 209 injured or killed. Oh my god. Um, in this. So, not only were people dying inside because of the fire um, but, and jumping out of the windows, people were... Uh, putting bed sheets and like clothes together to try and make ropes to go down but because people were so frantically trying to get out of the windows they often would put too much weight on the Mm. things and fall anyways and the firefighters were desperately getting their ladders out trying to get people down but because people were so frantic they ended up accidentally bringing some of the firefighters down along with them instead of surviving so not only were the people in the hotel lost 
the firefighters were also getting hurt. And I mean, they had nets out and they were trying to catch everyone, but they couldn't. One of the families, um, I know they were in their bathroom trying to escape it and they just died in the bathroom. There were two kids and then the parents. Oh my goodness. Um, and then another, I, what, to me, what is the saddest thing was that there was a lady with her two children and she was wearing a white dress. Funny enough. She tossed her children out the window onto the netting below. And mm-hmm. I believe the children survived. It wasn't clear. But her dress, as she was throwing them, it caught on fire. And when she jumped out of the window, she got tangled in the electrical wires outside oh. of the window. And she oh. hung there in the air, burning alive. That's until eventually terrible. her body she fell. Be electrocuted? She most likely was, yeah. So she was most likely being electrocuted and burned alive. I think electrocution kills faster than fire, or at least briefly under conscious. But then you just added that until her body fell down. Uh, Yeah, her body eventually felt broke broke free and fell down. Yeah, probably probably broke free because it was it it melted. (laughs) Fire, but I think I think electrocution will either kill you instantly or at least send you unconscious. So this is like. I don't I'm know if this is bad to out, And I don't mean to dismiss anyone else who died, but I really feel like that woman died worse. Yeah, well, for sure. I don't know. I feel like melting in the bathroom with your family. I mean, at least you had your family, but like... I think they died from asphyxiation, mostly because of the carbon, because they couldn't get to the window. Right. I feel like the likelihood of everyone dying from uh, asphyxiation from like po- carbon monoxide poisoning is higher than them actually melting. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I forgot about that piece. So it was a while until the fire was entirely out. And when it was, they, you know, they rounded up the bodies, took what they could to the morgue and the hotel, uh, not hotel, to the hospital. It was, it's just so tragic to me. And I'm like, it hurts to read. I, I mean, I was sitting there in my bed reading this and I'm like, oh my God. I mean, did you even sleep that night? I don't think I would, I would literally be laying in bed. I would actually be putting myself in the position of these people. There was actually a deleted episode that we once had where we actually had to completely re, like, we started to record and we got through everyone's cases. And by the final case, we realized that uh, I think we covered Richard Ramirez and we just couldn't. We actually had to redo the entire episode another time after someone redid their case because it was so bad hearing what he did that we actually had to end early and be like can you get a new case and then we came back to it it was like so bad i think it was the i think it was for california we had to redo the california episode but there are times where especially now that i'm a lot older and understanding where i've read a bunch of cases and i'm like oh my why was i able to read these so easily as a kid having well i think probably as a kid and some people lack empathy some people don't have natural empathy or sympathy. Yeah. You don't have the understanding of it. And then once that you get as older, well, like, I think it's just, yeah, I mean, it's horrible what happened to these people. I want to read what uh, was in the Time magazine article from when this happened. Um, so it says, many bodies were blackened, many without arms or legs. Most of those who had died by suffocation lay with distorted faces, lips bared over teeth, for them, death had come slowly, end quote, um, which is terrifying to me. Like, can you imagine being the person who has to go in and see these bodies? And not only that, but the 
the families who had to come back to look at dental fillings and scars and birthmarks to identify the body to identify the bodies yeah and well in the 40s though that was very i don't i I don't mean to dismiss obviously now that happens a lot in the 40s the likely they would probably just rely on people coming forward and being like my my family was there no they actually had no but that was the thing same with the shirtwaist factory is they had for i believe weeks on end people family members coming to try and identify the bodies of victims yeah. to see if it was someone they knew yeah but this is why this is why i have a lot of um empathy for um for em uh, emts those kind of workers because they they do that stuff you know firefighters police officers hospital workers you know nurses doctors all of these people will go into these such these situations and come across incredibly vulgar violent horrific scenes yeah and they just ha- they just they have to continue on doing their work they can't break down they can't, no, so they can't. Like, because then it like puts everyone else i used to listen to uh corpse hu- corpse husband's emt stories a lot like he did police and emt stories when i was in like middle school in like eighth grade i like devoured those i listened to them so much and I re-listened to them, like, a couple of months ago while I was cleaning, and I had to stop. And I go, oh my god. Because mm-hmm. it felt like I was revisiting them, and I go, I just listened to these nonchalantly. I know, and my father was actually an EMT, too. And so I hear, like, stories from him, because he, he did EMT and firefighting. And it's just, it's horrific what these people have to go through. I wanted to do forensics for the longest time, and I'm very grateful I was really bad at math and science, so I couldn't <laughs> pursue it. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's, those people are true workers. I mean, oh then they have God, to go yeah. home to their families at night, right? Oh yeah. my God. These no, people are not only, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're saving lives and such, and maybe saving some, but I mean, they probably see dead bodies on the daily. You know, yeah, yeah, and that's just horrific, in my opinion. And this is, I just think they need more compensation than they get personally. For real, no, I agree. I don't think they get as much recognition as they could sometimes. Exactly, no, it's insane. Well, <laughs> so as for the hauntings of when they rebuilt the hotel, so they did end up rebuilding it further down the line. Why? I don't know. Capitalism. <laughs> that would, is literally my only response is probably capitalism. I think for a while it ran as like just um, a housing place, not even a hotel necessarily. But then it got turned back into a hotel. Um, so from people who were staying at the newly built hotel, which I believe is still standing to this day, they have reported sounds of screaming and running down the halls, like in empty corridors. And so, like, they'll look out, and it's there's no one there. Imagine trying to sleep, and you hear like running and screaming, and you look out into the hallway only to see nothing. There's no one. That'd there would be sleeping. That's the thing. There would be no sleeping. <laughs> there would I, be no sleeping. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I think I hear something, and I'm up for the next hour wondering what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It's our radiator. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. There's also when they were reconstructing the hotel people would report that their tools were missing or moved. Oh. Which I find very interesting. Like, they were like, please don't rebuild this hotel. Yeah, literally, yeah. They're like, please don't. And they're like, meh, we'll just buy a new one. And they're like, no. I can imagine them just cursing in the afterlife. Oh my god, they're like, we tried. (laughs) We tried, guys. Uh, The elevators 
tend to operate of their own accord. So they oh. will randomly be going up and down. <laughs> They're like, can we get out of here, please? Did you say that the fire shut down the elevators originally? Yeah, it, it completely moved up the elevator shaft like up and down entirely interesting i wonder if it's i wonder if it started in it no no uh i know exactly what um maddie's trying to say is is because i'm sure people were running to the elevator right and if they were to reach the floor that the fire had started on or had spread to open that elevator that is oxygen that's gonna feed the fire right and then now that it has access to oxygen and then there's gaps in between the actual elevator, like the, the yeah. from the door to the shaft, oxygen. So it's just fueling that fire, which is going to have it spread like incredibly up. So that's why it's shooting up because there's all that oxygen probably at the base of the shaft that's feeding into this flame. So it's going to shoot up. Yeah. They are so scary sometimes. I get such bad elevator anxiety. I don't know. I think they're pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> the last time we went into it, I like stuffed myself into a corner. I have to think of something else if I'm in an elevator. I have to like just look at my phone. Yeah, <laughs> I hold my breath. I like I hold my breath until we're <laughs> until the doors open again. I used to. I hate to break tea. I used to be the kid that jumped in the elevator. You did actually. The last time we went in one, you and Ryder started jumping in it, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, not anymore. I'm just kind of like because I can realize, you know, they are kind of scary, you know. But no, I'm not entirely fearful of them. I just kind of vibe. If there's music playing, I'm chilling. If there's not, I'm playing music in my head. Uh, I think the last time I remember being in an elevator, it was um, at Fort Knox. Oh, the Fort Knox elevator is terrifying. It was. It wasn't that bad. I was looking at my Croc charms. It's like, isn't it a glass elevator too? No, it's not. No. Oh, what am I thinking yeah. of? I think it is. No, it's not. It's not a glass elevator. The building is the building up to the bridge to see the bridge and stuff. That's at Port Port Knox is glass though, but the elevator itself isn't glass. I don't believe. But the elevator was so crowded that I was just kind of staring at my my shoes. I do remember that. Anyway, sorry, I got you off track. Back to the back to the topic. Um. So the other two like things that people report are the smell of smoke in their rooms, which, to be fair. It, like some paranormal settings, depending on how they died, you can smell things like I, whether it's a perfume or the smoke that's, you know, um, and then phantom calls to the switchboards, which to me gives off them desperately trying to call on the switchboard, but it being shorted out. Oh, asking what's happening, but because the fire got to it before. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing is, a lot of people were still sleeping when the fire was going. What is a switchboard? I just realized. I don't know what a switchboard is. So it's like uh, like little buttons. From what I recall, it's like little buttons that can put you into the phones in each room. Oh, oh I know. Yep, yep. Okay, I get it. Yep. Uh, and one other interesting thing I found like in reading some articles was that someone was like going back down... They said Ellis Street, so I don't know if it's Peachtree Street or Ellis Street anymore. There might be both. But it said that there was alleyway in a graffiti, like, next to the hotel. And the graffiti said, the police tape is soaked in blood. Oh, oh. wait. It was like someone said that on the wall? Like, someone wrote that? Yeah, someone wrote that in graffiti. That's, what? That's, that's so edgy. Insane. Yeah. I'm sorry. It is edgy. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if that's anything... I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't think that that yeah. is related to 
the deaths that happened at the Alice Hotel. I think it was just probably some kid going through some um, <laughs> some time in age. their life, some edgy time. Because come on, yeah, we've all thought those things, well, right? Happened. I mean, like we've all oh, this is this is just a glimpse <laughs> into my dark version of reality. Yeah, the person writing the you don't know how sinister I am. So I think they were probably just edgy. Not a phase, mom. The person writing the article was like, "This is for som- This is just the somber, like, reminder of this hotel." And I'm like, "I don't know if it is." I think it's probably just a coincidence. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the person's like, "Oh, you know, it'd be a great place to put this thought I just had by the Ellis Hotel." But I think it's probably yeah. more coincidental than not that some kid got a hold of the spray paint and was like, "Let me show the world a glimpse into my dark reality." Oh, I forgot to mention. So. Uh, it was said that people's faces like could be seen peeping out of the windows, especially like when it was still in the rubble. And police thought that maybe it was squatters who were just staying there. But when they went to like look and get them out, there was absolutely no one and no trace of anyone having been there. Faces in windows terrify me the most. I have a fear of windows at night. Like, mm-hmm. I hate looking out windows at night because I'm always scared of seeing a face and I avoid looking into windows of any building <laughs> because I'm scared of seeing a face. You know that building I showed you the other day, Lola? Yeah. I obviously can't name names of the address because of of, of safety and stuff. But I think all the windows are closed off on that, if I remember correctly. But I would ask absolutely if the windows were open, I just wouldn't feel I I just don't think I would look at them. Let's yeah. see. No, the windows no, the windows aren't closed off. Some of them are, but it's certainly certainly specifically older buildings. I do tend to avoid looking at windows. You can feel it though. There are old buildings that you can look at no problem, but there are yeah. certainly old buildings that you look at and you'd be like, mm. it's just not the vibe. There's a brothel in my hometown. Um that's part of like the historical society. Brothels? Does it still exist? Do people still call them brothels or am I just Well, this one is still a brothel. Like it's not working, obviously. <laughs> but it is uh part of one of the tours. Is it like a museum? Yeah. It's part of a like a museum tour uh of like underground tunnels and stuff. And so people like have reported seeing faces in the brothel windows. And so what my my mom actually worked there. What they ended up doing was putting cardboard cutouts in the windows to freak people out. Honestly, that's, that's so valid. That is funny, though. That I gotta say, yeah. there that is pretty funny. Which actually, I could do a whole. I could do a whole uh, session on this if you ever want me to about the brothel. Well, about the entire underground of it. There are actually a lot of ghost stories that I have from it. So, if you ever want, yeah, I feel like. Uh, we could give you your own segment. We could call it like, uh, obviously in the future, because uh, you know, boss <laughs> about the corpse cart. Uh, like that's like their own segment in 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 wine. Yeah. Uh, Maddie could get their uh their own. Uh, I would love wow, that. <laughs> it's up to Lola. So. That'd be cool. Definitely think about it in the future. You know, is there anything else on your case? No, that was about it. Just how tragic it is. Your case was better than mine. Thank you. I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, kind of what I touched on earlier kind of uh, is relevant to your case as well as, like, how, <laughs> again, like, the carbon dating, yeah. but in energy. Like, yes, there are deaths, which I totally understand, but, like, I also think smells are, are more, like, an energy thing. Like, because there's a difference between spirits and energy, which some people don't understand, because, 
um, one of my parents explained at one point that homes can be haunted, but not with a spirit, but by energy of someone that lived previously in that house, but it's still alive, right? So again, usually, usually in the cases, it's like a traumatic event, but sometimes it can even be uh, an exciting event, an event that was life changing or whatnot that can essentially imprint in the wall on the walls of the house. Imprint and like can have sorry, <laughs> yeah, imprint. I late whenever that word's oh, yeah. you imprinted on my daughter. <laughs> it's not my fault. You named my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. Um, no, but I think it's definitely relevant, especially with smells. Like, because I've read in many cases that have had fires or, you know, again, perfumes. In one case, the smell of burning flesh that you, you, like, there was this case. It's a very popular case. This woman who was a slave owner and basically everyone thought she was, like, a great woman until, like, it came out that she owned, like, slaves and was doing horrible things and stuff. Oh, I know exactly what building you're talking about. Um, and they had like this big like mansion palace thing in Mababur. And they these these people were in the basement. These uh, African American people were in the basement and knocked over a um uh a lamp lantern. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um lantern, that sword, thank you. Do you remember where this was again? Because I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't remember. I don't remember the name of the place. It was named. It was the. I think the last name of the. It was specifically the woman that was highlighted in the relationship. I don't know if whatever, but I don't remember where it's located. But I believe like the place was rebuilt, and there's a smell, especially when you go down to the basement. There's this this phantom smell of of burning and or rotten. It's so gross. Flesh. It is so gross. It really it is pretty uh vulgar is also not to mention in smells if what certain smells if the building is still um like hasn't been rebuilt too much or anything if something is sprayed enough or like the smell of smoke can still linger on walls if like if the walls get burned down a lot yeah it's kind of like when you smoke cigarettes Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you smoke cigarettes the walls change color right or, you know, when you're like, oh, free furniture on Craigslist. Let me go pick this up. And it smells like cigarettes because it has been around the cigarette smell so much. I forgot where I was going with my point. I just think you guys brought pretty interesting cases to the table tonight. To the, to the, to the table for <laughs> the dinner. <laughs> that, was, that was a good, good back in, what is it? The Backstreet ba- Boys are back. <laughs> that was a good comeback. For yeah, that was a good, good job, everyone. <laughs> Yay. I love you guys. This is awesome. <laughs> that was great. I'm so glad that, I uh, obviously, if anyone has any recommendations for cases, please, you can email us. Email. I'll be seeing them. Email an hour. <laughs> not email. Message an hour of chaos on Instagram. Uh, Be sure to share the podcast with your friends, and I look forward to seeing you guys, or hearing you guys (laughs) next time. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So, what what would next Uh, case be? be? uh, The next case would be true crime in Hawaii. Ooh. I love that. Okay. That was See you guys for the potential of next case. So be, sure, be sure to join us whenever that may be for uh, true, qu- true crime in Hawaii. And everyone, have a good day. 
Hello, and thank you for listening to An Hour of Chaos. Please do not forget to share and leave a review of our podcast. Um, And please go follow us on our Instagram and Twitter at An Hour of Chaos and on our TikTok at An Hour of Chaos underscore underscore pod. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for next week.